Should go for goal. We deflected Hayward here. Could be a lovely goal for Villa. Johnson, it is! It could be nine. Open of the body. It's in an end. Superb goal from Melissa Johnson. Connor steps up and finds the corner. She gets the goal. They arrived as Aztecs in Aston Villa Women Podcast by Under a Gaslit Lamp.com. Hello and welcome back to They Arrived as Aztecs, a dedicated Aston Villa women podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. We're on season two, episode two, and we've got a lot to delve into. But firstly, let me introduce myself. I'm sure you're all very much aware by now who I am. I'm Regan. You can find me on Twitter at FindFoy. And I'm joined, as always, by Mark. What's going on, everybody? Good to be back talking about the women's side of things at Aston Villa. I'm Mark Jarobi. You can find me at VillaMarkPGH. Going to run through the Man City game, going to run through the Reading game, some other talking points that have happened for the first two games of the women's season. Regan, let's get into it. But yeah, the, the the Villa women are struggling to adjust to life in the top flight a little bit. They've lost their first two games against the aforementioned City and Reading, but they've not really looked out of place in their opening fixtures. The opening game was at Villa Park rather than the Banksy Stadium, uh, and against a rejuvenated Manchester City squad filled with new signings. And these signings weren't just you know tiny signings; they were high-profile signings. Um, you know, American uh, national team players that were coming to the league. And, you know, we've seen the likes of uh, Alex Morgan come into Spurs on loan once uh, she's she's finished with her pregnancy. But, you know, these kind of high-profile players, World Cup winners coming to a league is, is absolutely amazing for the league, but not so good for the teams that are, you know, newly promoted like Aston Villa. Mark, you'll probably know more about the American uh, women's national football team than I do. You can't divulge the kind of players that are coming to the WSL now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's one of those things where there, there's such a discrepancy uh, with the quality that's happening in, in the United States or even really North America. Um, I, I think that with a player like Alex Morgan coming to the WSL, I think it's a wonderful thing if you get Alex Morgan, I don't know if it's so much the kind of image that the WSL wants to put on by having these players come in, essentially for a loan, just a short period of time, I guess, just to see how the league is. Or it might even be for financial reasons, you know. I mean, the WSL and clubs that are actual bank standard in the WSL that have been there a while obviously have a bankroll. They're able to play some, of, pay some of these uh, these players to come in and, and do their thing on the pitch. So I'm not sure if that's kind of like the way that the league's kind of going, where we start to get some of these very, very top-end elite uh, footballers through the door in the WSL to kind of, I guess, stir up some excitement. Or, you know, obviously, Alex Morgan's very skilled. We know about that. You know, she was, you know, one of the athletes that was, I believe that was FIFA 19 that she was featured. Um, but, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's a wonderful thing if, if you're getting the player. I'm just not so sure it reflects well in the league for being like, oh, I'm just going to come here for a couple months and then, you know, back, back to my back to my club in the States. But on a quality standpoint, you know, if you're, if, especially when it comes to the, the American side of things for the women's team, we all know how, how dominant they've been for a pretty long time now. So I don't know. Do you, do you think that with Alex Morgan coming into the league that you're going to start to see maybe other American players come back over too? I would think so. You know, uh, obviously, that there's um, something to be said about the 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 North American Women's Football League. You know, it's 
it's at the peak for a reason and and a lot of players go there to play either to learn their craft or or to just generally have an exciting long career there <clears throat> you know one of the most recognizable faces in in women's football alex morgan played there uh, you got megan rapino there's uh, so many names but you've seen a number of players kind of come to the wsl now in the likes of uh, tobin heath rose lavelle who who obviously signed for manchester city um there's it, it is good but it's it's creating a disparity between these these clubs that can you know or aff- not not necessarily afford but are funded more by their uh, by their owners yeah, by no means am I saying the WSL needs to put anything like a salary cap in or you can't, you know, I, I don't know. It's just so tough because like you were just, you know, just saying that if if you're invested upon over and over again for your women's side and you can attract these players, you can pay these players to to come out and give your squad a little bit extra quality or even sometimes a leadership ability that's that's fine but like for like the teams like Villa who are just starting to get to that level of investment it's a little tough it's a little daunting and you may actually look over with a little bit of jealousy that you can't bring those kind of players in the door yeah absolutely and you know you mentioned a salary cap um but the the WSL uh, introducing from next season a homegrown quota so it almost stinks a little bit of um like Teams bringing in players that aren't homegrown this season um, just to kind of get it done before the quota comes into play. Uh, but we'll we'll move on to the Manchester City game anyway. Aston Villa's squad was also filled with a majority of new signings, but the citizens were always going to be strong favourites going into this tie. What did you think before the game, Mark? Did you think there was ever going to be an upset on the cards for Villa, or were you scared of a, a potential embarrassment? I'll be completely honest. I, I thought that Villa might have had a really, really tough time in this game, definitely more so than what the final scoreline dictated. So I was a little nervous. I think that that kind of – I would think that the team and the coaching staff would also be a little nervous. Listen, like this this isn't playing you know a, a team to where – they don't have it all together or there's a some kind of player disparity or there's a new coach in the door or anything like that. This is Manchester City and the WSL. This is a very talented team. They're very good. They've been at it for a long time. Um, still have the, like we were just talking about, they still have the financial power to bring players in the door. Um, you know, the training facilities are, are great from what, what I hear and what I read up on. Things of that nature. So they're, you know, top of the top team in the WSL. So I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. I always believe that Villa can pull through, especially with Gemma Davies at the helm and some of the players we brought in but it was still one of those things that like this is a really really strong side so i was a little nervous were you a little nervous or did you think maybe we'd be able to pull off an upset um i was i was okay with it initially i thought you know i don't think i I never thought that there'd be an upset on the cards but i thought the result would be somewhat similar to what it actually ended up being um you know i I think as long as as villa can can try and avoid a hefty scoreline against any of the teams this season uh if it is a loss then you know it holds it holds us in good stead moving forwards you know we we've spoke about this before on the podcast and in articles but Gemma Davies' first game in charge as as the the head coach was against a newly formed Manchester United women team with swathes of investment and international level players in their first season in the women's championship, and they ended up losing twelve nil. And you know that had an effect on on the rest of that season. Like granted, it didn't have an effect on the following season. You know, Villa went unbeaten, but. Well, perhaps it had a positive effect in the long run, you know, it depends which perspective you look at it with. But, yeah, I thought 
as long as Villa can avoid a, a potential embarrassment, you know, the, the season's not going to kind of come off the tracks at, at the first possible opportunity. Yeah, we've seen much worse losses, especially, you know, with, with that 12-0 shellacking we got from Manchester United, which uh, Gemma Davies has spoken about, and, you know, she was like, okay, well, you know, you have that you're in two minds now as a manager is am I completely out of my depth or okay what can I do different how can I get better and she took the ladder she tried to learn as much as she could you know it's a fast game out there and you're gonna have to adjust your tactics you're gonna have to adjust how you use your personnel on the pitch but I mean to this point since that happened you can say that you know the season past couple seasons been a little bit of a learning curve but so far Gemma Damey seems like she's really up to the task here at Aston Villa yeah uh moving into the game Sean Rogers started between the sticks after being awarded the number one shirt for the season ahead, as head coach Gemma Davies commented before the game on how ready her balanced squad was for the upcoming season. But it wasn't a balanced start for Aston Villa, as a mistake opened the game for the citizens, as Natalie Haig let the ball run through her legs in the hope that Sean Rogers was close enough to clear it. Georgia Stanway was on hand to get to the ball first and bury it into the Villa net. It must be said, really, that, that Haig had denied an opportunity beforehand with a clever block, but there was, seemed to be an evident lack of communication between the players that let that goal happen. Do you think this was a case of opening day nerves, Mark, from the Aston Villa players? It, it's certainly not a great way to start your season, uh, conceding within six minutes via a mistake. Yeah, you never want to kick off a season like this. But, yeah, I, I do think it was nerves. I don't think it was. I don't think it was one of those things of, like, the side is just poor. They're poor at the back or anything like that. I think it was just nerves. I think it was a lot of nervousness. It was a big day. They've been waiting on it for a long time. You know, you can practice all you want. You can train all you want. But when you're really on that pitch, and especially against a team like Manchester City, I think you're going to be a little nervous, and I think that's a natural thing. Did you think they might have been nervous? Or did, were you like, oh, no, it's a, it's 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 going to be a bad day at the office? It, it was a mix of nervousness and naivety for me. You know, there's a very specific way that Aston Villa women play. Women play and that's how the, from the back um, you know we build up via the goalkeeper through the centre backs etc etc very much like Aston Villa men do but you're naive if you think that you can have the time on the ball that you would normally have especially that you may, maybe had in the championship against one of the elite teams in, in the league um, you know it it was evident that it, there were nerves there and, and obviously the naivety of, of, of att- attempting to play that way um, just didn't bode well within the first 10 minutes. And, you know, the following minutes, Villa showcased some discomfort on the ball. There was poor passing, there were poor touches and it just reflected this this nervousness for the league newbies. But they they did react well to going a goal down. You know, they, they, they eventually grew into the game Um but unfortunately, there was another mistake that that kind of dampened their spirits, I guess. Um, it was another mistake between Rodgers and their defence that saw City grab another goal. Rodgers received the ball with a back pass, but the ball didn't quite have enough fizz on it, and Rodgers was forced to try and play the ball back out, which Stanway capitalised on before poking the ball into the net. You know, I'm pretty sure Stanway said after the game that she'd never scored two easier goals in her in her career which was a bit of a dig towards Villa I suppose but um, this goal went viral for all the wrong reasons on Twitter flaring discussions surrounding equal pay from the women's game do you think that it was fair that this went so viral and reflects on how the the WSL still has to grow generally within the United Kingdom and worldwide 
I, I just don't see the, the point of, of the, I, I mean, I'll say it, I guess, uh, the abuse that, that surrounded the women's team when this happened. Um, I understand, like, you know, it's easy to look at a bad pattern of play and be like, oh, that's terrible. I can't believe they want equal pay and things like that. But, like, again, I don't like to draw the comparisons too, too often, but didn't we see something similar with Tom Heaton last year? You know, when yeah, he gave up Bournemouth. a soft – Yeah, in, in his debut, and no one said anything about that about Tom Heaton. You didn't say, like, oh, Tom Heaton needs a, needs a pay cut or, you know, oh, look at look at how poor Eston Villa side are. They don't even deserve to be in the league. You didn't hear anything like that. I don't know why it's that way against Sean Rodgers. I mean, it, I'm probably, you know, a little bit more educated about Sean Rodgers and how she likes to play more than the average, you know, Villa supporter that don't watch the women's game. But I really do think that Sean Rodgers is, is a is suitable goal, goalkeeper. I think I've, I've seen her make saves myself that are very – athletic i think she commands her line very well i think she talks to her defense really well and organizes the fence when she has to um but yeah i just i didn't really get the the abuse that that surrounded uh sean rogers in this i I think it just happened you know and you know you talk about how it reflects on the wsl but like this is villa's first game in the wsl so how can that really reflect on the league in general it was just a lot of really strange takes on social media whenever this uh this goal went in I think there's almost a fear of of the women's game growing the way that it is and the way that it has. And I think that, you know, it's... It's almost a, a reaction to to the growth and the idea that women may perhaps be paid equally to, to men's footballers once the, the, the game reaches that level. Um, and I think the only reaction to that fear is, is abuse or, or trolling on the internet. And, you know, it, it's... You know, there there was there was an even kind of of playing field um, on social media. There was a lot of people turning around and and posting the clip, saying, you know, in in a trolling manner, saying, you know, women women want equal pay, blah blah blah. But then there were many many responses from people prevalent in the in the women's football community, uh, from Villa fans even as well, uh, with. Examples of male goalkeepers, male footballers making similar mistakes, very much like you mentioned with Tom Heaton, um, and you know it, it, it happens to everybody. It happens. It doesn't matter the fact that that she's a woman. It doesn't matter the fact that she's playing in the top league in her first game. It it doesn't matter how much she's paid. She's a human, and she made a mistake, and it's it's very similar in in men's football as well. Yeah, it's just a, it's a strange thing whenever people like automatically forget sometimes when they're so in the sports or even more so whenever you get this short little 10, 11 second clip of uh, of a mistake. And it doesn't matter what sport you're even talking about, but you get this little 10 second, 11 second clip of a mistake and people try to analyze that so much. But like, wouldn't you rather analyze how that situation came about beforehand, before the the start of that 11 seconds? There's just so much more to sports than that. It's not just taking one isolated incident and saying, okay, that's an error and that player is no good and they have no reason to wear the shirt or they have no reason to be in the league. It's just callous. We talk about all this, all this in, you know, not even just in the UK or in the US, in the world, we talk about how important mental health this and then you're going to drag a player through the mud when she's having her first game in in, in the top league of, of where, where she plays it just doesn't seem fair it doesn't seem like people use their heads a lot whenever they're drawing these kind of criticisms out but again we, we know especially with me and Regan we know how um I guess strange social media can be whenever you make a mistake or you say something that's a little bit against the grain yeah you you mentioned mental health uh how do you think this clip may have had an effect on sean rogers you know i personally if i was in that position it would be a real confidence bruiser yeah i think for me too it would definitely 
because it's not something you can really run away from. Um, it's not something that we can hide from. It's you have to really, really try, and it's very difficult whenever an instance like this happens, where you're. I guess you gain popularity for all the wrong reasons. It's really hard to kind of hunker yourself down, and be like, okay, you know, I know I've got to be better. I can train on some things. You know, how do I make sure that this mistake doesn't happen again? But it's it's the same thing. It's it's a game. It's a sport that this can happen again, and it, it may very well happen again this season. But you just gotta. It's it's that old adage that you you gotta try to be mentally strong enough to block out all the noise because you're so focused on a single point in front of you. And it's, it's very tough. It's not for everybody. There's not a lot of people that, that can do it in this world, but it's definitely something I think Sean Rogers will be able to do, but she definitely saw the abuse. She, she definitely knows it's out there. She definitely knows the mistakes she made, but eventually whenever she gets her chance between the sticks again, I'm looking for a really, really strong showing from her. I think as well, you know, you can put it down to, Sorry, not, not you can put it down. You can you can kind of um, compare it as well to to how reactions were from some some parts of the Villa fan base. You know, because the game was the opening game of the, of the season, because it was you know there was no men's football on that weekend. You know, there was there was a big swathe of Villa fans that were watching their first women's Super League game. Never mind their first Aston Villa women game, and. Some of the reaction on social media to that was was incredibly poor. You know, you have you have accounts on Twitter that have a decent following, and they're saying that they're turning the uh, the game off because uh, you know it's it's bad football and stuff like that. And all I can say to that really is, if you if you'd have gone down to Boldness and Michaels last season before um, fans were not allowed, or if you'd have gone to you know the Banksies or to Villa Park when they played there. You'd have seen how good this team can play football, and a poor you know twenty minutes against one of the better teams in the league does not equate to being a bad football team. I completely agree, and you know that's the, it's breaking the stigma of how team how good this team can actually be, and we've seen it. But again, you know, I mean, we're we're even right now we're doing a podcast about. It. There's not a lot of people that that would know about it other than you know if they happen to follow us and know what we do as far as the men's side of the game. But we are into the women too. I mean, we we've done it for a while now. I mean, even outside this podcast, we love writing articles about it. We love following the team. I I just you know. You said that it, it was the only game that was on. There's no men football that was on. It was the first time that people really get to to see Aston Villa women, so they're under the microscope. And then it seemed like very, very quickly in this match that the microscope turned into a magnifying glass, and it just seemed like they wanted to criticize every little thing that happened, whether they were criticizing the pace of play, or the crosses, or the the quality of passes. And then you have a you know a couple errors that don't reflect very well on how Gemma Davies likes her side to line up or how they like to play, and. You know, you, you said it also as well that like Villa likes to play out from the back. We know the Villa women like to play out from the back, but you have to be very, very crisp. You, your triangle's got to be tight. You have to figure out how to get that ball up the pitch. It's it's a it's a big learning curve. It was their first game, so like I said, with with the magnifying glass coming out under the sun, it just seemed like people were just just wait waiting around to to criticize this team in a negative way. I completely agree. No. Aston Villa women were relatively unfortunate just before half-time. Estina Larson thought she had brought a goal back, pouncing on a loose ball after Petzelberger's shot was parried away by City keeper Ellie Roebuck, but the flag had been raised against Petzelberger. Now, analysis of this at half-time shows that this flagging decision was wrong. In hindsight, it really wouldn't have made much difference as City received a similar call later in the game. But do you think this could have been you know, cause for a potential revi- revival for the Villa? It could have been, and I, I've read a lot about when decisions go 
go against you and it turns out that they're wrong. Um, it, it, just, it just the, the mental aspect, the attitude of how you want to continue in the game and being like, oh, hey, you know, they flagged me off sides here. So obviously, you know, I made my run, you know, a little too early or whatnot or a little too late rather. But, you know, if you if you get to the point where that's looked at and it's not offside, and she just parries it away and it goes out for a corner or a throw in, um, you know, you OK, so. Then, then you figure out, okay, I might have something here. This is something we can look on again. I was able to get past this defender. I was able to maybe beat an offside trap or something like that. So I think it it, it made a little bit of a difference. Do you, do you feel the same way, or do you think that it was just kind of a regular run of the mill play? I think it was just it was run of the mill. I think there's there's a perhaps an overbearance on on flagging in the WSL from from the two games that we've seen Aston Villa play, and there were a number of offside calls. And you know, I think if you had VAR or or just you know a a, a shorter reluctance to 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 flagging an offside, you'd you'd see that some of the uh, some or a lot of the decisions are wrong. Um, Manchester City dominated much of the second half too, um, but almost better for, for Villa. Sean Rogers looked like she'd overcome her earlier jitters, and she provided a trio of strong saves to stop Becky and Stanway from scoring. You know, it, it was great to see that against one of the elite sides in the league, Villa could hold their own. The game wasn't a bloodbath by any means. You know, I would say that Man City dominated a lot of the game, but Against one of the strongest sides in the country, it was only really Villa's naivety that let them down, and a two-one scoreline was not the end of the world. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious, and I'm hoping that no one turned off, you know, their television or however they were watching the game, and you know, I'm hoping they were able to see Sean Rogers make these these trio of saves because, like I said, I I do believe she's a good keeper, and I th- I think she she has a part to play. I'm not saying that you know she had one awful game and then you know that's it, um, you know, with two mistakes. I I. I it's just it's a patience thing it's alert this learning curve at this level is so steep um you know we, we talk about it in the men's game all the time the jump from the championship to the premier league it's the same exact way in the women's game as well this is a big big step up for a lot of these players um even the ones that we brought in that might have a little bit more international experience or might belong to sides that are a little have a little bit more financial stability this is still a big deal people from all over the world want to come and play in the wsl so for the first game i'm really glad that villa didn't get completely trampled on they did look a little better to me in the second half but again this is a city side who loves to dominate the ball they like to press high up the pitch so it's it's just it's it's different because the, this Villa team saw saw those things last year but it's just heightened it's just ramped up this year so it's going to be like I said very very steep learning curve just a little correction as well just the last bit that where I was speaking I said it was a 2-1 scoreline when just before I'd been talking about how our goal was written off for offside so no it was a 2-0 loss not a 2-1 loss um the following game of the season saw Aston Villa women travel to the Majeski Stadium, the new permanent home of the Reading women. And Lisa Voice was between the sticks for the first time following Rogers' unfortunate display in the opening fixture. It started off a fairly even game, but the 23rd minute saw Amelie Eicheland bury past the German keeper after the Villa defence was cut open via three swift passing movements that ended with a squared ball across the face of the goal for Eicheland to bury. Now, there was there was such an even kind of playing field up until this point, but you saw the difference in level, the difference in what Reading were used to compared to what Villa were used to with literally those three passes. It was almost like, do you remember the old um, iOS game, Fruit Ninja? It was almost watching like, like watching a katana slice through pieces of fruit. It was just pass, 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 pass across the goal and, and it's in. 
Yeah, and that that's how easy it can happen at this level. It's just three passes completely, you know, just knock you back and up before you know it you turn around and the balls in the back of your net you know we, we we've said at the past couple of podcasts that it's not an easy league to play in and the qualities there especially in passing that's that's the big step up i've noticed by watching a little bit more wsl or even going back in the last season and watching how how the league was because i like to get a little bit of a feel for for how the league works when what you know getting promoted in, into the wsl so yeah the passing is a lot more crisp in this league and it's, it's a lot more deadly um it, it's kind of you can get from front to back in, in just a couple of passes. It's definitely not as methodical, not as a, a slow build up. It's very, very pacey. It's very pass, very crisp. It, it, just the passing and the crossing. So far, from what I've seen from the WSL, I just think that it's it's on a level that Villa will get to, and I think they will get on a level to be able to defend it. It's just it's unfortunate that they uh, succumb to it in the twenty third minute against Reading. Absolutely, and all like we've mentioned in previous podcasts. Pro- all Villa have to do is not be the worst team in the league. And then you grow and grow year on year from that. And it's it's almost the same as, as, as the Villa men. You know, all you have to do is not be one of the worst three le- uh, teams in the league and, and you can grow year on year. And we've seen that this summer as Villa stayed up. Um, Reading second was against the run of play as Villa were enjoying a prolonged spell of possession before the home side attacked down the left and swung a ball into the box for Lauren Bruton to fire into the roof of the net. In added time in the first half, Daniel Carter's quick feet flummoxed the Villa defence in an attempt to dispossess her and they conceded a penalty. Now Farrell Williams stepped up, calmly placing a Penenka into the bottom right corner of the net. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be brave enough to try a Penenka and I'm probably not skilled enough to try a Penenka. So as we've been discussing people being so adverse to to a slight skill gap or or what they perceive to be a skill gap between between the men and women's game you know the fact that you you can still see quality goals like this and you know you, you get 40 orders and things like that it, it i don't really understand where the kind of vitriol comes against women's football I don't either, Regan. And, you know, that that's a battle that, you know, we're, we're definitely not the, the first people to try and fight that battle. Um, you know, it's, it's even I, I feel a little bit, I guess, a little bit fortunate being in the United States and watching women's fit, football grow and even football just in general, but especially the women's game. Um, you know, as far as seeing things like a Penanka or skills in the WSL, that I don't understand that people think like these things don't exist in the in the women's game for some reason. Um, and then, then you have people that like really like players like John McGinn for the for the Villa men's side, and they love that he's tenacious and he runs really fast and he uses his strong backside to be able to turn off players. But you see that a lot in the WSL. You see that a lot throughout women's soccer. To be to be honest with you, and. I just don't understand how there's a disconnect between like only men can do this, but women can't do this. And you're talking about literally the same game. It makes sense because I've seen women with amazing skills on the ball, all kind of trickery and gal. I've seen, you know, women that are, that are strong central midfielders or even strikers that are a little bit taller that, that are able to roll off a defender's shoulder and cut in towards goal. There's just things where I don't understand the misconceptions of why um, why female athletes can't perform and do the same things as as men. I, I don't know. It's just it's a strange preconceived notion. I do feel that I'm I'm a little bit different in the fact that I've watched this before. This this is no this is no secret to me. This is this is not something that's surprising. So I don't. It's just it's a little difficult when you're when you're seeing players you know fly in forty yard you know rockets into the back of the net and Panenka goals and skills and you know three passes leading to a goal. That's exciting. If you're if you're a fan of football, those things are exciting to me. Absolutely, and there's there's a 
there has been positive changes moving forward into into how people are, are becoming more interested in in women's football, and I think especially in terms of Villa, we've helped with that with with our coverage of them, but you know there are still issues that need to be ironed out outside of the actual game itself, and and it can only be done with with larger support and and you know cracking down on on people that are trolling and and things like that. Um, in the second half, Aston Villa started the brighter of the two sides, but like throughout the rest of the game, they looked lacklustre moving forward into the final third. It wasn't until the 78th minute that Aston Villa managed to bring a goal back as they were awarded a penalty when Marissa Ruiz was caught on the edge of the box after a prolonged period of possession. Stina Larson stepped up to the spot, fired underneath the dive of Maloney in the Reading net. And, you know, it was great to see Stina get off the mark for one um, but it kind of put a bit of life into Aston Villa as well and Shania Hales thought that she'd put Villa one goal away from grabbing a point in the 85th minute she found herself at the end of a scramble in the box and was able to bury the ball but the referee had already blown for a foul on Reading's Rachel Rowe for me you know it's great to see our centre forward Larson get 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 an early goal you know that's that's a goal in two games um, and it's unfortunate that Shania couldn't couldn't Add to her tally as well. Yeah, it's hard done on Shawnee because I, I don't know. It's one of those things where you look back and you think that it, it was, it was a goal, but then again, there's the foul that leads up to it. So it's unfortunate, and it, it's it's something where you're like, man, if if only. And I think Villa are going to have a lot of if only moments, but not in an incredibly bad way. I think that they're just going to have to learn that these these things happen in the game, and they know that. I don't mean learn like they've never had a bad thing happen to them in a football match before, but more so learn how how the league plays to set up the natural feel of it all. I thought Villa looked really really good in the second half. I, I, at least an improvement on what they did in the first half, and, and sure as hell better than what they looked at Man City. I think. That's the kind of style of play that you're going to have to need going forward for what uh, the Villa women had in the second half against Reading. I thought the passes were crisper. They looked a little hungrier out there for me. Um, maybe there was something said in the in the changing room b- between the halves, and that's that's prop that probably is the case. Um, maybe just a little bit. Hey, settle down. We have this. Just settle down a little bit. See where we can get to. But um, yeah, I was I was happy with the the second half performance. I don't really like running comparisons between the men's side and the women's side, but. I'm seeing a lot of similarities to our first season back in the Premier League um, to Villa women's first season in the Women's Super League. You know, there is a little bit of naivety. They're a slow start. And Gemma Davies has admitted this. You know, she said that Villa women played into Reading women's hands, uh, saying that their second-half efforts ultimately came too late and, and that, you know, they were ruining another slow start to the game. Villa are still searching for their first win in the Barclays FA Women's Super League. Granted, only two games have been played, but do you think this this slow start continues for another few games, or do you think you know play Everton next? Do you think there's potential for points there? I think there is a potential for points against Everton. I wouldn't be upset with a draw. Um, obviously, in the perfect world, Villa wins their first two games. They go into Everton. They try to win that one too, but that wasn't been the, hasn't been the case. Again, very very steep learning curve. I would look to try to get maximum points against Everton. I think Gemma Davies is going to want to do exactly that. I'm curious to see who's going to be in between the sticks for this one, but I guess that's just going to be a waiting game. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would try to at least pick up points against Everton. Try to stop the slide a little bit early. Like you said, we don't like to try to make comparisons between the men and the women's side too too often, but this does have kind of an air 
aware of of that there's a lot of similarities you can draw from and we know especially most people that that are listening are are avid watchers of the men's side you know that wasn't a pretty season last season for the men's side they just they just scraped it but for all intents and purposes they just scraped to stay in the league i think you might have something like that happen this year with the aston villa women but that's okay because like we said it's all progress build year upon year upon year kind of sounds like we're banging on that drum over and over again but it's it's important regan i really do think it's important for this team I don't know how likely it is, but you know, G- Gemma Davis has the opportunity to to perhaps lean on Dean Smith a little bit. You know, they they share the same training grounds. They're probably, you know, quite quite good friends. They're going to speak to each other in the cafeteria and, and places like that. So you know, we could see Gemma Davis lean on Dean Smith a little bit and, and turn around and say, you know, how did you kind of do this how did you get it into the players heads that they need to do this and 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 things like that and that's not to say that that Gemma isn't a an exceptional coach by her own right but when you have resources to reach out and help um and especially you know people that have experienced similar similar things and serious similar games it's something that that maybe you know they need to consider um but away from that, Aston Villa, Aston Villa's uh, Conti Cup fixtures for the upcoming season have been confirmed. So uh, we already knew that they would be in Group A this season alongside Coventry United, Durham and Sheffield United. Two of those sides were potential promotion rivals last season in Durham and Sheffield United. Uh, the official group stage schedule became official today, with Villa opening their cam- campaign at home to the Blades on October the 7th at the Banksy Stadium. Uh, and then they will travel to another familiar opponent on November the 3rd, taking on Coventry United, and then uh, culminate their group stage efforts against Durham in an away game on November the 19th. There's another tie against Sheffield United, who we just can't seem to shake off. We've played them, I would probably hazard to guess it's seven times in the last three seasons in both league and cup competitions do you think that Sheffield were perhaps looking for a bit of revenge after we left them in the championship and and kind of ran away with that league oh I'm sure they want to put revenge you know you know out there and that's something they're going to be looking at I I just think it's kind of one of those like we we got promoted and yeah the circumstances were in unprecedented times or whatnot but you know we played this team a lot and they they know what we're about and we know what they're about so I think it's going to be a little bit of a tasty affair I'm looking forward to this match I, I think the Durham match is going to be a, a little bit tasty as well um like you said we we battled it out to try and get to that top spot last year and you know just the, the way it worked out Villa were damn near untouchable uh last season but i'm sure sheffield and and even a little bit durham they're, they're going to be coming for they're going to be coming for the scalp of villa i think yeah i completely agree you know there's going to be tough games there i thought i'm not going to say it's going to be a walkover against coventry but i think that'll be the easiest game in in the uh in the group and you know we've we've beaten sheffield united a number of times but they have strengthened significantly over the uh over the summer they've brought in our, our last season's top scorer in uh, mel johnson so it will be some interesting games in the conti cup there um, in other news surrounding the Aston Villa women, Stina Larson continued her goal-scoring form after she received a call-up to Denmark's senior side and she scored in their recent international. And uh, Aston Villa women returned to action on October the 4th against Everton when it will be available to watch via the FA player. All you have to do is sign up, um, you know, verify your email address and then you have the opportunity to watch every single Aston Villa women game this season unless it's on BT, in which case it'll be on YouTube. Um 
And I think that's probably the best place to end this week's podcast. What do you think, Mark? I think so too, man. I, I'm just so happy we got the FA player this year. For anybody you know listening that doesn't know how to how to do that whole thing, if you run into any problems whatsoever and you want to watch this Villa women's side, reach out to me, reach out to Regan, reach out to the Under Gasset Lamp Twitter profile. We'll get y'all sorted out one way or the other. Absolutely. And I think, yep, that is the right place to end this week's podcast. We'll be back after the Everton game, so it will be a two or three week break for us on the women's podcast if you have enjoyed it please leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on feel free to leave feedback on social media as well you can follow us on our social media accounts uh, on twitter at villa lamp on instagram at under lamp and on facebook forward slash under lamp thanks for listening guys and up the villa women <laughs>